let me just provide an honest admission here from the start that I've actually recorded this intro numerous times and none of them have taken. I hope this one does because it's actually a little emotional to keep doing this. From the moment I had the idea for this podcast, Call It Good, I knew I needed to sit down with my friend Thomas McKenzie as the cornerstone conversation. Thematically speaking, as a podcast exploring what it means to create in the image of a creator, it felt very important for me to begin with some theological guardrails in place, so to speak. After all, if we're talking about the image of God, the inspiration from God, and our interaction with God, then we've got to establish some theological norms pretty quickly. What made Thomas the ideal interview subject was easy. I trusted him. Not only was he a longtime friend, but he was also my pastor at Church of the Redeemer for the years that my family lived in Nashville, Tennessee. And while I knew he was beloved by so many, it wasn't until his recent funeral, after a horrific car accident that claimed both his life and the life of his daughter, Charlie, it was then that I learned just how many others had trusted Thomas the same way I had. Listening back to this interview stirs so many emotions in me, but one of those is certainly gratitude. He was always filled with so much wisdom and love when speaking on matters of the Spirit. Thomas was such a beautiful co-creator with the Spirit and was a man who understood Genesis 1 as an invitation to join in the same process of calling forth beauty from chaos. Even now, it's a gift to hear his voice and receive his words in this episode, and I'm so glad we were able to carve out the time to make this happen last summer. We certainly hope it's helpful for you too, as we begin to explore what it means as Christians to call it good. Here is my conversation with my dear friend, Father Thomas McKenzie. Hello and welcome to Call It Good, a new podcast on the Rabbit Room Network. And today our first real guest is Thomas McKenzie, used to be my pastor when I lived in Nashville. And Thomas, how do you introduce yourself? Like, I don't, I'm not familiar enough with Anglicanism to know the term. Is it like commander of the Southern Front or? Uh, usually it's His Excellency, but... um. <laughs> Yeah. No, you're His Excellency uh, Lord Thomas. <laughs> you're a pastor at Church of the Redeemer and um author of Anglican Way and like there are several other Yeah, I don't know. Do you have an Anglican title? Like are you diocese I don't know. I should know these things. I'm no, dude. I'm nothing. I'm the I'm the Reverend Thomas McKenzie. Reverend That's Thomas it. McKenzie. All right. That's me. <laughs> So so we wanted to lead out our podcast with a strong theological understanding of of our subject and the in the working sort of hypothesis here. And Thomas, I want to start with you, you know, just in in the general sense here. When we're talking about Genesis 1, part of our understanding of being a follower of Jesus of of choosing to participate in this Christian story is that part of our calling is rooted 
in Genesis 1 as being created in the image of a creator. I feel like that's thrown around a lot in theological circles or said from the front. And I think a lot of times that lacks like a full unpacking of what that means. But I'd love to get you to just like, can you give people an overview maybe who haven't heard that term or at least to give us a common ground to stand on? Like when you're talking about creating in the image of a creator, like what, like, what does that mean for you? Or how would you explain that even to your congregation? Well, Matt, Matt, I think this is a a really good conversation to have, and I'm glad that we're doing it. Um, I think that one of the things that's um, amazing about humanity is that we're the only uh, part of the, of the cosmos that God said was made in his image. And so you have all these amazing, beautiful, wonderful things in the cosmos, right? You have like stars and moons and suns and, you know, the planets in their courses. You have, you know, nature and all of its beauty. Um, and all these things are wonderful, but none of them are made in the image of God. And so there's something, there's something specific about humanity that reflects God in a way that nothing else does. Um, and at the same time, like God is so different from us that it's hard to it's hard to nail that down. Like, what is it that could possibly be godlike in that sense about us? Um, especially if we look at our own failings and our foibles. And uh, if you were like me, you're getting a little old. I'm getting a little older, and so I'm looking at myself, going like, "Boy, I I <laughs> I don't seem to endure as long as God. That's for sure. And I don't look as good as Him." Um, after almost 50 years. Um, and so there's, uh, so that's the question for me is like, and what, what does that mean that we're made in the image of God? And I think that the, if you look at Genesis one, um, you see the work of God. Um, and you see that the God's work is essentially bringing order out of chaos. Um, because God starts with chaos, right? He starts with, with nothing, and that nothingness is has no order to it, um, and so every single thing he makes is bringing order out of that chaos, and everything he makes is increasingly beautiful. So, you know, the first thing he does is kind of like he s- sets up the canvas, you know, and then he prepares the canvas, and then he brings like turns the lights on so he can see what he's doing, you know, metaphorically, and continues to bring forth things so that things get more and more beautiful. And so one of the ways in which that, if that God says we are made in his image, it seems that one of the things that he's saying is we're made to bring order out of chaos. Hmm. Like we're made to create things because that's what he does, that he creates. And so we are um, sometimes called co-creators with God. Not in the sense that we can bring forth, you know, anything ex nihilo like he does. In other words, out of nothingness. Um, everything we do is dependent upon his original creation, obviously. Um, and at the same time, we have, each of us, a special work. Uh, a work that no one else can do or will do um, in the world in which we set chaos in order. And then we can look at that order and see its beauty. 
and ultimately um, call that beauty good. Yeah, I'm 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 glad that you just brought up that last part because that's really the premise of this whole thing. And I feel like it's well-traveled ground within Christian circles. Like if it, it feels like there's a decent understanding and even resources for those without understanding to really be to really wrap their minds around what you just said or even further down the creative road that that we are created in the image of a creator. And so therefore create like, like there are resources and understanding to build our confidence to maybe step out into the creative things that we feel like called to do. Right. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. then, then there's this last part, I think. And I, I guess I wondered from you, like, am I, first of all, maybe I'm reading too much into this. I'm certainly, I've learned to hold most things theologically with very, you know, very loose hands and, hey, you know, things come and go and and black and white has turned very gray in some ways. And so, you know, I, I, I guess I don't even need to like say, here's what I think. I guess more like, is it okay that I even think this? But I just want to put this forth that when you said the call it good part, that to me, as I understand my own like ability to participate with the spirit in line with God's kingdom and create in the image of a creator, right? Even like making this podcast, so to speak, mm-hmm. that part of that, as I, if I read Genesis one and say, this is the working model for me to gain insight from that part of that working model was some sort of poetic stepping back from creation like it seems like god steps back from creation in a way and says uh and reflects on it and calls it good and i feel like oh i understand what it means to create i have very little understanding or even impulse to step back from what i create appreciate it call it good or and maybe even share that with others i mean like that my, that my normal tendency is, oh, I made that, and like let's wad it up like a draft out of a typewriter and throw it away. And yeah. I guess I just wonder what you think of that as as part of the model. Like, do you think do you think that is part of that creative cycle in the first place? And and just what do you make of that? You know, Matt, I think that your question um, comes from some insight that you're bringing that is really helpful. Um, And I don't know that there are many people who have brought this insight, though I, I, it, it seems, I was about to say it seems obvious, but it's not obvious. I think it's a, it's a really good one. I have like four things to say about this. Um, So bear with me. The first thing I want to say is that there is an obvious difference um, between us and God in that, theologically speaking, um, in that everything God does is is by definition good. Um, and everything that we do is not by definition good um, because of the brokenness of the world, right? That's like the, the, the doctrine of original sin, which I think many of us are familiar with, um, and some of us maybe even be kind of overly <laughs> familiar with. Um, <laughs> and I think that the doctrine of original sin is, is very helpful, um, but it should also not 
um, be used to therefore like blow off the goodness of everything that we can create or take everything that God does still work in creation. Because besides an original sin, right, from our side, there's also God's original blessing. Yeah. That God sees everything and calls it good, that he blesses his creation and that his blessing is still at work in creation, that the Holy Spirit who hovers over the deep in the beginning of Genesis chapter one continues to do his work um, throughout the pages of the Hebrew Bible. Um, even in artists, remember there's the the dude in Exodus who is filled by the Holy Spirit in, in order to do the, the crafts, the craftsman's work uh, right. in the temple. Um, so the Holy Spirit is like ever present, even in the, even in the pre-Christ. And then w- with Christ um, in Pentecost, like every single person who believes in Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. Like by definition, you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you are, if you can believe that Jesus is Lord, that's a miracle. Mm. Um, and therefore, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, yes, you are broken. Yes, you are sinful, right? And you are filled with the Holy Spirit and redeemed and beloved. And so, everything we make is there's going to be something impermanent in everything we make there's the rot of sin is always going to be there like everything that we create is eventually going to be destroyed right like that's that is uh, what it means to to be mortal um but that doesn't mean that everything that when you create something it isn't good mm. it just means that it's impermanent yeah that you know just like you you are you are a sinner and you are good like you are beloved um you know, as a person. And so, and you are going to fail, right? So your mortality is going to defeat you until the resurrection. Like that's the the great promise, right? So I want to say to people who are listening, do not sit there and get in your head that, oh, like everything I create is garbage because I'm a sinner. That's not true. You know, everything you create is not garbage because you're a sinner or is like inherently evil or wicked. No, it's it's filled with God's goodness. Mm. And yes, there is going to be an aspect of it, you know. Like I've seen the Sistine Chapel. It's pretty amazing, you know. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, I'm sure there's something wrong with it. I don't know what that is, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I don't think any of us would look at the Sistine Chapel and say, oh, it isn't good. And I'm yeah. not comparing our work or this podcast to the Sistine Chapel. What I'm trying to say is that like theologically we need to kind of some of us some of us need to get over our fear of our own sinfulness um in our creation and Mm. just sort of participate so that's the first thing i want to say um the second thing i want to say is that one of the things about god that is also different than us besides the fact that he is without sin is that he exists in eternal community that especially in the Genesis passage where he is speaking um, as the, as Elohim, um, the, the way God is looked at in that passage, he is a plural. And so when he says like, let, let us create man in our own image, et cetera. Um, so that one of the things that he's doing is he's creating in community. And then in his community, he can step back and look at himself <laughs> Himselves <laughs> and say, that's good. Like what we just did 
Like that is pretty good. Or that is good. Not pretty good. That is really good. No, that's actually, good. I like it call to... it pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Let's call it pretty good. <laughs> um, there's parts of the world that probably was just pretty good. You know, like, I don't know, Albuquerque. No offense. Anyway, so. Um, I hear Branson's like, pretty good. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. It's not bad. I don't know. <laughs> A good place to drive through. Anyway. So, <laughs> so that Trinitarian community. Yes. So that Trinitarian community. Um, we are not a Trinitarian community. And so for me, at least, it's really helpful to be able to um, share my creations or share creation with other people around me. Not a ton of other people. You know, not like put everything on the internet in draft form, which some people do, and I don't understand that, but whatever. Um, but a couple of people, you know, a couple of trustworthy people who love you, you know, who can kind of respond along with you. Like there's, I think that there's a, I think there's a value to that. And I think it's also helpful when you get to the quote unquote end of your work um, to be able to look at it with a couple other people. and allow them also to call it good to say, yeah, that looks good to me. Mm. You know, I like this. Um, you did a good job. You know, like that's, that is a beautiful thing that you've done. Um, and so I think that that's part of the, the calling it good um, as well. The third thing I want to say about that, I have so much to say, Matt. Yeah, no, no, um, no. Keep going. We're talking to you for a yeah. reason. Yeah, no. Is that, one of the things that there, that there is in God, that there is a pattern there, right? There's a pattern of creating, of like refining, of making it like more and more, of like layering things on. So a lot of creation is like starting with just the idea uh, and then just sort of building a skeleton and then sort of building on top of that skeleton and then, you know, putting on a little bit of flesh here and flesh there, like that idea that there's a process. I mean, some of your listeners are going to be like literal seven day creationists. And some of you are going to be like, I don't know if this has anything to do with reality at all. But in either case, uh, in my mind, one of, one of the things we get from the creation story is that God's creation is a process. It doesn't just come out cooked. Right. And so that process is part of creation. And so if I'm in the image of God, my creation is also going to be a process. Yeah. It is very unlikely I'm going to, you know, write the write a perfect song in the first time it ever comes out of my mouth or whatever. Um, not that I write songs, but as an example. Um, so I think that, like, yes, there is a process. Mm. And part of that process is um, resting, right? Like the, the, the Sabbath is part of that process. You cannot create constantly and it be and that be a good thing. Hmm. Like there's a there's a there's a process within uh, within nature of you know times of fallowness and times of fruitfulness. There's a pro there's a process and a pattern within um, within the human heart. I think does the same thing. A lot of times I talk to creative people and they, and they feel like, well, I'm not creating anything right now. And 
what's wrong with me yeah. or, you know, what's my problem. I mean, I think that COVID era, which we're hopefully now coming out of, has been like that for a lot of people, myself included. It has not been a creative time, even though, you know, some people, I have not, but some people have had less to do during COVID and yeah. have still not been able to create. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably because it, it's such a dark, it's such a dark time that you're just here to feel, you know? Mm-hmm. And my guess is that there'll be a lot of creation coming out of it on the other side. That's my guess. Um, because I think a lot of people have been lying fallow, but that's part of the, that's part of the process too, is that lying fallow, um, and that need to rest. And so that's leads me to like the final thing is in, is that in the thing that you point out, um, so importantly, Matt, is that we do need to be able to look and to reflect and evaluate. Like evaluation is part of the creative process, you know? And to be able to look at something and say, yes, that's good, you know? Um, I do think that there's an aspect to us that sometimes we have to, we are maybe going to have to say that's good enough mm. as opposed to like a pure, like a pure good. Um, what's the, what's the joke about books? Books aren't finished. They're only abandoned. You know, like there's sure. a, I've heard that about songs a, as well. Yeah. There's a, there's a, that's certainly true in writing. Uh, I mean, I guarantee that it's, it's hella true in sermon preaching. I guarantee yeah. you that. Yeah. You know, like I have to, you know, I have to create something most weeks of the year and, uh, and it, whatever state it's in on Sunday morning at 9am, that's the state it's going to be in, mm. you know, and it's going to come out and it's going to be what it's going to be. And sometimes I feel like, like what comes out is like not ripe, <laughs> undercooked. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like it might be a little overcooked you know, maybe a little mushy. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Good enough. Like that's, <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got to be able to say, well, good enough, move on. And sometimes be able to say, yeah, that was, that was awesome. I, mean, <laughs> I think that was a really good one or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, that, that evaluation is important, but I also think that, that looking for, looking for divine purity in our creation is probably a bad idea. Sure. Sure. Right. Um, that doesn't mean it's not good. That doesn't mean the creation isn't good. It just means that there's like, there's good, there's bad, and then there's pure, like divinely pure and divinely pure is not, um, a standard I would set for myself or for anyone else. Mm. Um, but good is a pretty decent standard, you know, is that good? So yeah. Evaluation. Well, I love what you have to say here on a number of levels, especially that first level where I do think you're very wise to point out the differentiation between um, like understanding that there is a brokenness, but also a spirit given wholeness or, or like a blessing to things. And that mm-hmm. we can we we can forget the nuance or the both and quality of so much of what it means to follow Christ and and be a participant in all of this. And that can like either like put us in a prison of some kind where we refuse to make mm-hmm. something out of fear, et cetera. I, I, I want to talk about the, what you just said, like when you, 
like when we step back to evaluate, it feels like this digital era that we're in where cameras mm. are, are like we're like where we're all three seconds away from taking a snapshot of something or recording something. <laughs> right. Yeah, I feel I like it's you. I feel like it's warped our sense of evaluation, our ability yes. to share some people, I like I'm one of them. I probably tend to overshare like on mm. Facebook or social media, you know, like, I, like I tend to process out loud and now mm-hmm. I can process out loud with as many people who want to share in that process with me, et cetera. Right. And yet I also feel the shadow side of that. I feel like there's a lot of misunderstanding, even for me in which I can be manipulated or misunderstood in the way that maybe the spirit would want to work within me to not only mm-hmm. bring something forth, but have me maybe take pleasure in it, pride in it, that mm-hmm. maybe those things feel evil or wrong at times or take mm-hmm. too much pleasure, too much pride. Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess I wonder, like, how do you see in a healthy way, like, what does that look like for someone to create and reflect on or call it good? Like, like what does healthy participation look like? And what are some of the pitfalls that you see within your own congregation? Yeah, I, I would say that um, everyone's process is their own. And that judging another person's process is not a great idea. And that even judging your own process is not a great idea. Like, it's okay, whatever your process is. So, for instance, there are people who, you know, on Twitter, like, you know, hashtag writing, you know, I'm right in the, I'm on, you know, word 4,000 of my novel, hashtag writing, you know, and this is how I feel about it. And then there's other people who um, would never, never do that. Yeah. And are all are gonna they're gonna go into their cave and they are gonna work their butt off and then once every you know couple years or whatever they're gonna come out like they're gonna like Moses coming down from the mountain with the tablets they're gonna come down and be like behold <laughs> like I have finished you know it just finished here it is um, and I don't think that either one of the, there's anything wrong with either one of those ways of doing things um, or anything in between like that is that's great. Like do what you need to do. So some people who like yourself, Matt, like you just said, are an uh, outward processor, you know, like then process, that's totally fine. You know, now here's the thing. If you're on social media, you are going to be judged. Like that's a rule of social media. You are going to be judged all the time by people who have no idea who you are, who do not care about you. Um, who are just in it for the the trolling and the hot takes, right? And so just know that if you put your stuff out on social media as you're creating it, you're going to get flack. Like, okay, if you're okay with that, if you're okay with the reality that there's going to be a couple of jerks out there and you want to process that way, go for it, you know? Um, my concern for some people though is that is that they feel like they have to Here's my concern. I feel like that some people feel like if they're not on social media talking about their project, then does their project really exist? Yeah. Right. 
Like if you're not talking about the novel, if you're not talking about the, the record, if you're not talking about the painting, like does it actually exist? Are you relevant? Because of this, like every single thing has to, you know, the, the incredibly short attention span um, that like we've developed, the kind of the throwaway, um, the throwaway nature of a lot of our things that we create. Um, you know, like people write, people write amazing essays, Matt, for instance, like every single day, you know, they get put up online and, you know, on Substack or in, you know, newspapers or blogs or whatever else. And like, I'll read these essays and be like, that is such a good essay, right? It's so, that's so well thought out. But then that person has to do the same thing the next day, yeah. you know, or the next week and no one remembers it. You know, and, and it's like it just like shouting into the void. And so there's a there's a throwaway nature to our current media environment, which does not allow for patience um, and for patiently creating. And so, gosh, I would I would encourage people that listen, just because you didn't tweet this day or this week doesn't mean you don't exist. Right. Yeah. Just because you're. Uh, your piece is not ready in like 10 hours doesn't mean it's not a good piece that you should keep working on like the if you can at all avoid the time pressure of creation um i would do it you know whatever that means uh for people like i mean it took it took god seven days to create the cosmos right you didn't do it all in one instant and so there is something, like I said earlier, about process yeah. and about time that matters um, that social media doesn't doesn't allow. Yeah. Um, now, I think the other thing that you said, though, Matt, was that like was the idea of like the fear of calling something good or putting it out there. Is that what is was that also what, one of the things you said? Well, yeah, because we're talking about process, but but I'm, I'm also curious about product. And, yeah. and maybe that, that, oh, if I call it good, it's prideful and I'm trying to be humble. I mean, like that there are some of these pitfalls, I think that we can fall into because we lack the ability to stand in some tension. And I guess I just wonder what word you'd have about the final reveal about the product and, and, and is there something holy or something at least, um, you know, spirit led about some sort of reveal there about some reflection and, and the calling of it as something that's good. I, I think that there is, I, I definitely think that there is. I think that also there's a, there is a, there's a difference. His, like historically there's been a difference between like the artist and the promoter, you know, mm -hmm. the person who creates the art and the person who goes out and says, man, this art is awesome. Everyone should see it. Yeah. Like, and in the, in this era, almost every artist has to be their own promoter. And that is, that feels hard and bad to some artists. For some, they're totally fine with it, you know, <laughs> like um, there are some artists who are like completely fine with saying, yeah, I'm the greatest. But not very many that I know, mm. you know, there's not a whole lot of those people who I know that, that are, that enjoy that. Um, but in this environment, it, if you don't do it, 
then people aren't going to get to see your art, especially if you're starting up, you know, or if you're not that well known. Um, you know, if you if like it's like you and like your 12 best friends who are into your art, like it is really hard to get out there without saying, hey, I'm awesome, you know, and I, I understand why that would be hard for people. But. I think that if you if you see what you're doing as important and you actually and you see your art as something that is that is worthwhile, then what you have is a gift. Like you have created a gift to other people. And I think it's like morally incumbent upon you to get your gift to the people that you made it for. Mm. You know, to do what you can do to allow people to be blessed by what you've made. Mm. And if that means that you have to like stand up for it, then you need to stand up for it. Um, one of the things that has was helpful for me at a certain time in my life, um, which had which is not about art, but it's actually about a parallel thing, is uh, like raising money, right? Um, I read a uh, Henry Nouwen, the like the the amazing Christian writer of the 20th century, uh, one of them. Um, Henry Nouwen has this thing about fundraising for the church. And he says, like, do you, like, if you, do you believe that your church or your parachurch ministry or whatever it is, do you believe that it's worthwhile? Like, is it, is it from God? Is it saying that God has given to the world? And if the answer is yes, he says, well, then you need to get out and bless people with it and say, like, look, this is amazing and you should give money to it, right? Because it's the work that you're promoting, not yourself. And if you can see your work as a blessing, if you can see your work as a blessing that belongs to other people, then it is 100% godly and amazing and good to say, hey, this is an amazing work and you should look at it and you should buy it, right? Or you should, <laughs> you know, give to my Patreon or whatever else. If you can see it as not just promoting yourself or not promoting yourself at all, but actually just promoting the work, that may be helpful. You know, like this work is worth saying, and I believe in it. I believe that like God has brought this forth into the universe and like it's worthwhile. So maybe think of it as promoting the work rather than just promoting yourself. And that might be helpful. Yeah. Um, Boy, I, I love that. I love that. I also find that sometimes the very places in which I feel that most fearful about mm -hmm. the reveal are the very things I know need to be sort of exposed or shared with others, which makes it yeah. feel so vulnerable, right? Yes. Yep. It's no, it's very vulnerable to create anything, you know, and to put it out there. That and that's a hard thing. And to like launch your baby out into the world. It's almost like um I've had now twice the opportunity to take a child to college, you know, mm -hmm. to drop them off of the dorm and then like drive away. You know? Mm. It is a very it's a very painful experience because it's like, here's this thing I've worked on, so this thing, this person I've worked on, as it were, <laughs> for 18 years or whatever. And now, like, that's it. They're out there. I have no control. I didn't have that much control to begin with. But <laughs> I, um, I have no control. I have no, like, they could be doing anything right now. They are completely vulnerable out in the world. But that's that's what has to happen. Like, parenting is about creating 
adults, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And letting them go into the world. That's that's the job of a parent is to create an adult and let them go. And the job of an artist is, in, is I think, to create art and let it go. Yeah. You know, to let it get out there. And you've got to drop it off at college, man. You know, it's, you can't just keep it in your basement. Um, I mean, I guess you can, but that's not good. <laughs> that's not healthy. No, you know? no, no one wants the kid who's still in the basement at, no. at, at like 45. No way. <laughs> and if you're uh, in the basement right now and you're 45 years old, Matt still loves you. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. I, maybe that's me. Maybe I'm talking about myself and trying to. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Thomas, thanks so much. This has been, I think, such an eye-opening conversation and lays a great foundation for where we want to head with the podcast. Awesome. I'm glad. Well, I'm glad to be here. And thanks for what you're doing, Matt. I really appreciate it. Good is brought to you by the Rabbit Room Podcast Network, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. To listen to all the podcasts on our network, visit rabbitroom.com slash podcasts. The work we do at the Rabbit Room wouldn't be possible without the generous support of our membership. If you're a member, thank you for being a part of what is happening here. To learn more about membership and help us continue to create works like this, visit rabbitroom.com slash membership.